Welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Leah, so much to get to this particular week. I don't know if we're going to get to all of it. We'll try our best. I want to start, though, with a programming note, because next week at this time is going to be the second presidential debate on October the 9th. Yes. So we're going to be doing things a little bit differently next week, so don't get confused. We're very excited about our show next week. We will start live immediately, at least that's our plan, (laughs) immediately at the end of the debate, whenever that might be, on October the 9th. So... Uh, all the stations are handling it slightly differently, but most will be picking us up immediately at the end of that debate. We're very much looking forward to giving you instant analysis of what happens in that second debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Now, you will usually start this time of year with a few thoughts on what's going on in the sports world over the weekend, specifically college football. Uh, there were a lot of uh, interesting and exciting games, especially if you were a Tennessee fan. I know there's not too many Tennessee fans where you live there in Alabama. No, not at all, but I did pick them to win this week, so yay. Well, uh, they're a good team. Uh, The most important thing that happened this week from a playoff perspective was Clemson beating Louisville. Uh, Obviously, my old stomping grounds of Louisville, Kentucky, were on there at WHAS. You know, Louisville's now in a tough spot, even though they might be one of the best four teams in the country. If Clemson wins out... Uh, they can't get into the ACC champion. If they can't get into the ACC championship game, despite what some sportscasters are saying, which confused the, confuses the heck out of me, I don't see how they can possibly make the playoff, even if they are one of the top four teams. But right now, still looking very good for your team, Alabama. Looks like Clemson has the inside track. And uh, then, you know, who knows after that, probably the winner of the, uh, the Pac-10 and then the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game will probably win the Big Ten. So that's what it looks like for the playoffs as far as that's concerned, other sports notes that are, uh, I think, worthy of mention. You know, last week was Vince Scully's last home game as the longtime announcer of the Los Angeles Dodgers. 67 years of broadcasting Amazing. baseball games. Tonight was, or actually this afternoon, was his very last game as he will not be broadcasting the playoffs. Uh, Vince Scully and Dick Enberg, another broadcasting legend, also hanging up his microphone today is the voice of the San Diego Padres, another market uh, where the John and Leah show is heard on a weekly basis. The reason I mention these guys is not just because they're broadcasting legends, but to me, especially in Vince Scully's case, this is a situation where we're never going to see this again. Nah. Th- this, is, this is a bygone era that will... The days of class are gone. <laughs> well, that's part of what makes Vince Scully interesting, but, but here's a situation where... Our attention spans as a nation are now so horrendously, absurdly small. And it impacts us in so many ways. It impacts our politics in a, in a cancerous sort of fashion. But one of the many casualties of our inc- 
incredibly shrinking attention span. Is it baseball in general and baseball on the radio and even on television is basically dead. Now, it's still beating because, you know, it was so popular at one point. It's like living on memories. But the intimate relationship between a radio baseball play-by-play broadcaster and the listener is like nothing else because it's not for 15 seconds. It's for three and a half hours and sometimes right. sometimes more. I remember growing up in the Philadelphia area. I can't even imagine doing this now. I would listen on the radio to double headers <laughs> as a kid and not even think anything of it. Now, I, I couldn't watch an inning of a baseball game on television today there's a lot of reasons for that, but uh, you know the, the world has completely changed, and it has changed in a way where that kind of a broadcaster, Vince Scully, is is not a 15 seconds of the spot kind of guy. Uh, he he's a, a storyteller, a guy who you you know you you have that relationship with for the th- full three and a half hours, and he's your friend, he's your eyes, he's your ears, and with baseball dying, baseball on the radio dying, and radio in general dying. Uh, this really is the end uh, of an era when Vin Scully uh, hangs it up. And as you said, also a classy guy that we're not going to see in, yeah. in broadcasting. And Dick Enberg. You know, I do blame baseball a lot for that anyway. You blame baseball for what? Well, I, you know, I, I remember I'm not a big, huge baseball fan. Right. Uh, but, you know, I remember it seems like all the time. When are these? Why are they striking again? They're not making enough money again, plus the steroids, plus, I mean, plus they're switching teams all the time. Well, I couldn't. That really used to make me angry. It's like, where's the loyalty? How can you get behind? That's part of the reason why I don't care about baseball anymore, and I think it's going to impact the NFL. It'll take longer, but I, I think the NFL, as an example, has sold its soul. Uh, for a short-term game called fantasy football, uh, where yeah. where the fans' loyalties are no longer to the teams, and they've unleashed that monster now. It's Correct. A, it's a lot like the Donald Trump nomination, by the way. The GOP is sold its soul. Unleashing a monster. Right. They sold their soul for short-term potential gain for a long-term disaster because now the loyalty is no longer to the team. It is to individuals who have very short Mm -hmm. careers. And once the loyalties are no longer the team, that is a connection that cannot be rebuilt because that is built over years and years of memories. Generations. Exactly. Passed down from father to son or daughter or whatever. Once you kill that, good luck. And um, and that's what baseball and football has done. By the way, I have to just mention with Dick Enberg, who also retired today. Dick Enberg, the only guy in the entire news media who didn't stab Joe Paterno in the back after the bogus scandal. He actually gave Joe Paterno an award after the scandal and after his death and wow. stood by it. So kudos to Dick Enberg. Um, by the way, both Vince Scully and Dick Enberg were also golf announcers during portions of their career. The Ryder Cup finished today. The United States won for the first time since 2008. 
And um, you wanted to mention something about Tiger Woods. You said in our emails, bizarrely, if you had told me in 2013 <laughs> that the United States would win a Ryder Cup with Tiger Woods as an assistant captain when he's perfectly, you know, at this point now healthy, going to play again in a couple of weeks. I and know, that, and that the Donald, whole thing. If you told me in 2013, Tiger Woods will be an assistant captain on the Ryder Cup team, then we would win. <laughs> and that Donald Trump would be the Republican nominee for president i would have said okay let me get everything i have in my bank account on whatever odds you want and i'm going to put it down right now and of course i would be a very poor man at this point uh but that's the world in which we live but what did you want to say about tiger well no it's just that like i thought that you had spread the word to him yeah. That his career was over. Uh, this is a shock to you, but he doesn't really listen to me very much. <laughs> despite, despite that he was already retired, even though he didn't know it. And yeah. look at him. You mean <laughs> he's just not going away? Oh well, he's not going to go away. I mean, he's got a massive ego. He's going to he's going to try to come back in a couple of weeks here in California at a uh, at a minor PGA tour event. So that'll that'll be interesting to see. I got to say. Um, you know, Patrick Reed was the big star for the United States in the Ryder Cup. Oh, my gosh. I mean, wow. The, the balls on Patrick Reed. I mean, if, if, if one-tenth of young men in this country had his kind of balls, we wouldn't need Donald Trump to win. As, as, <laughs> matter, as a matter of fact, if Donald Trump – there's not too many things that could get me to support Donald Trump, but if Trump said, you know what, I'm going to find a way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth, who was his partner – the, the you know the balls and the brains that's the, the perfect Reed Speed combination. Reed is the balls and Speed is the brains. If he was gonna if he promised right now Trump did, they're gonna run the defense department. <laughs> I, I might say <laughs> You'd be all in. You might, you might, all right. You know what? I'm gonna hold my nose because <laughs> those those guys are awesome. Uh, and uh, really uh, great to see the United States uh, win, even with Tiger Woods as a pathetic assistant captain. One other semi-sports note, which also relates, everything relates to Trump. I mean, you know, in, in some I way, shape, or form. I got one, too. Oh, what do you Don't got? Don't forget. I've got, California hello? Chrome? Yeah. I forgot. I'm sorry. California Chrome <laughs> won here in Los Angeles, your favorite horse. It was a it was a great race. Great race. There's really no one that can beat him. I don't believe if he has a good trip, I think he's unbeatable at the Breeders' Cup. So how we'll the hell see. did he ever lose that the Belmont that year? How did that well, he happen? Was, he he well he was tired number yeah. one, but number two he got stepped on coming out of the gate, yeah. and so he had I, an injury. I know I, I I never perform well when I get stepped on coming out of the gate. It never, it just never, <laughs> if your leg is it bleeding, never goes well. it's going to be hard to run a hundred percent. Okay, one other <laughs> semi sports note which clearly relates to Donald Trump is uh, news breaking tonight that. Cal, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers legendary basketball player, LeBron mm-hmm. James, has yes. written a very extensive and hearty endorsement of Hillary Clinton for president. Now, I realize there are going to be a lot of people who say, well, who cares? And you would, Ohio. Be, you would be wrong. Okay. Uh, in fact, when I was uh, on the Glenn Beck show a couple weeks ago, you know, you know Glenn, uh, your, your buddy Glenn. I know right, Glenn. Right. right. He, he, was, he was very nice to me the second time I was on. Uh, John Ziegler. I, I think he's fantastic. What an what a interesting mind he has. Yeah. Okay. Well, what interesting. <laughs> well, That's an interesting choice of words. <laughs> yes. It's also probably appropriate. <laughs> My wife would, would wholeheartedly agree. Anyway, <laughs> when I said to him that, you know what, we're, we got to take a break. When we, I, I'm gonna, when we come back, I'll explain 
what I mean by um, or how this relates to the LeBron James endorsement and why it impacts this presidential race. We've got so much to get to. Stay tuned to the John and Leah Show here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And if Hillary Clinton has been holding out for a hero, Leah Brandon, she got one tonight in the form of LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers superstar, who has wholeheartedly endorsed her. And uh, for those who will say, oh, who cares? I mean, that's the, by the way, that's the Trump Trump fan response to almost everything that's happened in the news this week. Oh, who cares? It doesn't matter. It, it, yes, it does matter. And let me explain why it matters and, and why I mentioned my appearance with uh, Glenn Beck uh, in the last segment. You know, I don't know if you recall this, Leah, but Glenn asked me who was going to win. And I said Hillary would win because I think she has more cards to play coming down the stretch. And that one of the cards I thought was possible if it was super close at the end was that George W. Bush would endorse Hillary or at least come out and very strongly criticize Trump a couple days later uh, than his father announced or indirectly announced that he would vote uh, for Hillary Clinton. And if I had had time, the second name I was going to mention was LeBron James. And the reason I would have mentioned LeBron James is because he is in a unique position because of the fact that it's Ohio. Because of the fact that he is from there, because of the fact he came back to Ohio and gives them the first championship in half a century, which just happened under incredibly spectacular circumstances. And because of his race, all of those things make this an incredibly valuable endorsement for Hillary Clinton. It's really hard for me to imagine. Just look at the basics of this, folks. Ohio is a state that has gone Democratic the last two elections. You mean to tell me it's going to go Republican when the Republican governor doesn't support the Republican nominee and the most popular man maybe in the history of the state firmly supports his opponent? Is that really going to happen? Seriously? You see where I'm going with this, Leah? It remains to be seen. Not sure. Uh Look, I... A lot of people in Ohio have lost their jobs. That's more important than anything. Uh, I mean, come on. Uh, lately, actually, things are going fairly well in Ohio, largely thanks to fracking. As one of the, that was one of the few true things that Trump said during the GOP debates. I mean, John Kasich is which, no genius. Which who wants to shut it all down? I mean, look, Hillary Clinton is a nightmare for mm. that type of industry. Okay. I, you know, I am, I'm just telling here you. Here in Alabama, we've been slammed. So, you know, if you depend on it, I, I, I'm just, I just don't know. I, I honestly just don't know okay. Le- what Leah, kind of impact Le- this will have. Leah, I realize Alabama is not in play. But if for some reason Nick Saban 
Well, had, had, but with, see, that's totally different. How is that There's different? no way because the same LeBron thing. James, because of his race, this is no big surprise. But You would never think. Now, if Nick Saban uh, or somebody like that, uh-huh. who you would think is hardcore conservative, would endorse her, then yes. But this is no big surprise. Well, it's still going to have an impact, and this is why the Trump It'd nomination be surprised was— the other way. Well, this is why the Trump nomination was insane, because if we had run yes. a normal candidate, these celebrities wouldn't feel comfortable doing this, and this is the I price agree. we pay for that. More coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And in just a moment, we'll get to what happened this week with the much-anticipated first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. But first, I just want to very quickly revisit the thought that we ended the last segment with, which I think is important, Leah, and especially since you and I agree, we don't necessarily agree very much on anything involving this election, but this LeBron James endorsement, and I'm not guaranteeing that that means that Trump will lose Ohio, but it's going to cause him a big problem. And if, and if he's battling for Ohio, then that means it's more difficult for him to win Florida. If he loses either of those, it's over. So it's a significant development. But here's what I think we both meant by this notion that this is the price we pay for the Trump nomination. If you run a, let's say, a Marco Rubio, right, the, the calculation – for a celebrity like LeBron James to make a full-throated endorsement of Hillary Clinton is vastly different. Because if you do that, there's a price to pay economically. Your sponsors don't like it. If, if you are some, you, you'll, your, some of your fans might not like it. Theoretically, you know, you might even get some media blowback. But because it's Trump. None of that's going to happen. You have ultimate protection. All celebrities do. And by the way, now that LeBron James has taken the dive, now the floodgates are open. You're going to see celebrities from all walks of entertainment. For, you well, know, I mean, but they're, they're already doing no, this. No, but, but no, no. There, it's a difference. There's a difference, Leah, between the wink, wink, nod, nod, and doing the full Monty. Okay, no, no celebrity is afraid of any blowback, especially from the media, when it comes to endorsing Hillary Clinton against the Donald Trump, because no, they haven't, and I don't see where they have been. No, no, but you're 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 missing. Maybe I I I was overly optimistic that we actually agree on this because I because you no no we don't agree on this at all. I think that we what we agree on is that we have the wrong candidate. (laughs) <laughs> okay, but, but here's part of why we have the wrong candidate, because Trump changes the rules and the equation for people like LeBron James to be full out there, as I said, full Monty endorsement. It, there's a difference between because Trump is who he is, the news media and the entertainment media. And we've seen this already with late night comics. 
They perceive, and I un- and it's understandably so from their perspective, they perceive this election as Armageddon, once in a lifetime, Trump must be stopped at all costs. That means the normal rules do not apply. And that means there will be no blowback for anybody who does whatever they can to make sure Donald Trump loses. That would right. not be the case. That would not be the case if we if had it was Marco it, Rubio. If it was no, Marco I, Rubio. I totally agree on okay. that. What okay. I what I do not agree with is that it will have a huge amount of weight. My goodness, since the beginning of this, everyone has tried to take him down. It's been Armageddon since since it began, uh, yeah. every no one has had any blowback. Uh-huh. I mean, you can rip him to shreds, but still, the he, support. Still, he, he, yeah, he still gets forty-two percent. Wow, that's really impressive. Well, she's not that much further ahead. It doesn't matter, and it, she. It doesn't matter. She's better than forty-two percent, and um, and the and the reality of this whole thing is that turnout. Her big problem is turnout. An endorsement by a LeBron James and all. And, I, and guys, by the way, it, Katy Perry is on board. I guarantee you. I mean, even Kim Kardashian thought for two seconds about voting for Trump, and she quickly, like 24 hours later, announced, "No, no, no, no! I've rethought it. I'm voting for Hillary." Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah. So, so the, it's like being a Republican in Hollywood. What we're gonna see. I mean, millennials are her big problem, and we're gonna see people who are very, very popular among millennials drive her turnout through their Twitter pages, Instagram, Facebook, all of that. That's why it matters. It's not because people are going to all of a sudden go, oh, my gosh, LeBron James endorsed Hillary? I'm changing my vote from Trump to Hillary. Uh-uh. It's getting asses to the polls. Well, I mean, President Obama yeah. said that if they don't turn out, he's taking it personally. Right. I mean, how much more can you get? And I'm just not sure. All right, we got some. I'm not sure about the turnout. I I just, it may be overwhelming and I will be stunned. There's just not that much excitement for her. You're saying there's going to be a backlash against him to bring the people out. Yes, that's what I've said. I've said that from day one. And with this much hype, this much media coverage for this long a period of time, you don't have to be enthusiastic to want to participate in the big thing. People are going to participate. It's a presidential election. The turnout is always very large. So is it going to be Obama proportions? Probably not. She doesn't need Obama proportions because Trump is a moron. And who people, who 60% of the American people are extremely skeptical about him being president. So the rules are different. And that's I've been saying this for a year, that he solves her biggest problem, which is getting her base to turn out. Now, she's still got a problem with millennials, but that's why these celebrity endorsements are going to matter. All right, now, I don't want to get too bogged down in this because we I want to get back to the beginning of this week and to the first debate. And I think both of us deserve some kudos for how we predicted how this thing was going to go down. Uh, I, think, I think we both uh, agreed that contrary to Sean Hannity's worldview and Fox News Channel and a lot of talk radio's worldview that Trump was not going to crush Hillary, uh, that Trump was going to overplay his hand, that Trump was going to act unpresidential. That no. Hillary, what what did what did you say, <laughs> Lee, Lee? I watched, I listened to the show. What did you say last week? 
Okay, at the at the end of the show last week, I remember that I believed that he would not do well right. and that you ha- believed that he would do better. No, no, no. Leah, what I said was she, that the impact of it, the impact, the political impact was not going to be that big of a deal because people don't give a damn about someone being ignorant and, and clueless and not having a... a, a any facts or any knowledge that she would wipe the floor with him, but it wouldn't help her that much. I was surprised, if you let me finish, I was surprised that Trump was not able to hold it together, even even remotely, for the full 90 minutes. For the first 20 minutes, he, he did never a- has. I mean, he can't, he falls apart every time he debates. Okay. It's horrific. So, right, but you want him to be president, so that makes a lot of sense. So, so you want a guy who can't hold it no, together I for don't 90 want her. minutes. Well, she can hold it together for 90 minutes, and, and she's, she actually prepares. You know, she, actually, it's amazing to me. To me, this entire debate situation, and we'll get into this as we go along here, is the perfect example, the microcosm, for why it is that I am so utterly convinced that Donald Trump is uniquely unqualified to be president. And one of the aspects of that is here's the biggest moment of his campaign and his life. Uh, They thought a hundred million people were going to be watching and he didn't by his own campaign's acknowledgement, didn't bother to prepare. Now I'm sorry. That's not what you want in a president because you might go into a meeting with Vladimir Putin. And if you don't prepare, you're going to have your ass handed to you. Especially yeah. when you're a moron like Trump is to begin with. So that was the that was the big narrative was that he didn't prepare. And I don't believe it for a minute. Okay. Because this is a guy who's been out on the trail. Well, this is every, him prepared. This is him every, prepared. Okay, can you let me finish? Yeah. As you would say. Uh-huh. This is a guy who's been out on the trail every single day, speaking to rallies, naming Hillary's weak spots over and over and over and over and over. He did not need to go and be prepared to bring up the fact of her foundation or anything else. He just didn't do it. So he choked. No. So he choked. So you want a guy who, so so which was it? Was he prepared and he choked or was he unprepared? So you think that the campaign is lying about him not being prepared, that he was prepared. This is the best Trump we're going to get. And he choked. That's what you think. I think, I think he chose. I I think he just chose not to do it. Now, for whatever reason. He choked. He choked. I mean, that's what happened. I mean, he got his ass kicked by a girl. It was bad. He got his ass kicked by a girl. And in the in the Latin, we'll play Saturday Night Live's version of this. But, but at the end, because he knew he got his ass kicked by a girl, and I mean that in quotes, girl. Uh, but, you know, he's the schoolyard bully who got beat up by a girl. And as a way of trying to save face, at the end, the very end, he says, well, you know, if I, 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 if I had really decided to fight back hard, I would have kicked her butt. But I'm too much of a gentleman to do that. And then, by the way, afterwards, I'm going to talk about how much of My a gentleman I am. <laughs> how much of a gentleman I am for not talking about what I just talked about. Uh, <laughs> but that's Trump in a nutshell right there. Okay. Now, I will say, I will say, and I, I, I don't, we haven't talked about this. So I don't know if you're going to agree, and I'm going to stop putting words in your mouth because I keep misperceiving it at all at all times. But <laughs> he, I thought in the first 20 minutes, he was fantastic. I, he well. was, and and I thought uh, first 20 minutes, I thought, 
oh my gosh, she's going to lose because she's treating him as if he's a legitimate candidate. And he's acting like a legitimate candidate. And it's, and that, that equal, you know, them being on equal footing, seeing eye to eye, and him being presidential and being plausibly presidential, I thought was going to be a massive loss for her. And then once she got under his skin, it all just fell apart. Is that, is well, that, would you agree with that or not? Well, here's the thing. I had a uh, debate watch party with my radio station. Mm-hmm. And so, all that good stuff you're talking about, by the time I got into the car to drive home, it had already happened, and I missed it. Mm, okay. So by the time I got in the car, I listened for about 15 minutes, and I turned it off. It was so bad. I don't think I heard him say, uh, but a couple of things. She went on forever And he let everything go, and I went, okay, I don't need to see any more of this. It was horrible. Well, I wrote a column about it for Mediaite in my normal column. You can check it out at freespeechbroadcasting.com, where I compare the debate to the George Foreman-Muhammad Ali famous fight, the Rumble in the Jungle. And for those that don't know boxing history, basically what happened there was George Foreman beat the crap out of Muhammad Ali, who was doing a -a rope-a-dope for the first uh, several rounds. And then finally, Foreman got tired and... (laughs) Ali get a couple uh, uppercuts and it was all over and Foreman came crashing to the canvas. That's basically, I think, what happened here because uh, Trump was in over his head and I think uh, Hillary got under his skin. Now, when we come back, we'll talk about some of the specifics through the eyes of how Saturday Night Live decided to portray yeah, they, it. They did a pretty good job on it. <laughs> I agree. We'll talk about that when we return on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out the column I wrote about the first presidential debate, where I compare it to the rumble in the jungle. We're going to review the debate in a rather unique fashion for a couple different reasons. We're going to kill two birds with one stone. Instead of playing actual clips from the real debate, we're going to play clips from what Saturday Night Live did last night. (laughs) <laughs> with Alec Baldwin now playing the role of Donald Trump, which I'm sure he is very much hoping will end up uh, having the same impact as Tina Fey's portrayal of Sarah Palin in the 2008 election. I don't believe it's going to have that kind of impact because we're living in a different media age now. Uh, but I still think it could have an impact. I know you, you think that Saturday Night Live is now vastly overrated, at least you've said that well, in the past. Of course, you've changed your... I, I don't know what you think anymore, so tell me what you, what, what well, is your view on this. I mean, when it's somebody like Alec Baldwin and it's Donald Trump, maybe it's going to have an impact. All right. I mean, everyone is going to watch this, at least on YouTube. Because it was also very well done. It's one thing... Yes. That's the key. It's, if it, because it's funny, it will attract eyeballs, and I and there was some truth in the humor. So... What I found interesting was that the first thing they did, and, and you know, Saturday Night Live oftentimes does have their finger on the pulse of things politically, and they're not always super liberal. As a matter of fact, one of their main writers is a closet conservative. But one of the things they did first was when the Hillary was introduced, the fake Hillary, 
They had mm. her coming out coughing on a cane. Right. And then all of a sudden she drops the cane and does a, a forward uh, roll <laughs> and she's like ready to go. I actually think, and I predicted this, I I think one of the most underrated elements of this whole thing was that Hillary clearly seemed healthy and clearly had her wits about her, clearly does not have Parkinson's disease or some other nefarious brain injury. And so that alone, I I believe that that was the reason why the polls had tightened. I mean, it's very it's Oxum's razor. She had collapsed on 9-11 on, on, in a horrible video. People wanted to see, is she okay? And so she passed that. Um, and, and one of the other predictions that we both made, which were accurate, is I had said that the topics that were most dangerous to Trump were his taxes and birtherism, and the issue most dangerous to, to him was if the race issue with police was connected to the Colin Kaepernick question. And I actually predicted that I didn't think that Lester Holt would connect Colin Kaepernick for whether it was because of political reasons or just he didn't think it was that important. But that's exactly what happened. Lester Holt was Hillary Clinton's best friend during this whole thing because the subject matters as usual. Well, he's technically a Republican. He's a registered Republican, Lester Holt is. But I, I am the first to acknowledge that Lester Holt allowed the debate to be played on Hillary Clinton's turf. And you predicted correctly, almost word for word, what Trump's response would be to the tax question, which was, you give me your emails and I'll give you my taxes. Uh, now, that was a correct prediction on your part. I also think my prediction was correct in that I didn't think that was going to work, and it hasn't. The media ignored that. And instead, here's what Saturday Night Live portrayed, or how Saturday Night Live portrayed it when the Hillary Clinton character confronts Donald Trump, played by Alec Baldwin, over this issue of his taxes. This man is clearly unfit to be commander in chief. Wrong. He is a bully. Shut up. He started the birther movement. You did. He says climate change is a hoax invented by China. It's pronounced China. He hasn't released his tax returns, which means he's either not that rich, Wrong. not that charitable, Wrong. or he's never paid taxes in his life. Warmer. <laughs> Warmer. Okay, you know what's really funny is China. Right. He does, but he says China. <laughs> right. That's, that's a pretty good Trump impression. But what was really interesting about this was that almost exactly as the Saturday Night Live episode was airing last night on Saturday, obviously, the New York Times was dropping a major story involving Trump's, at least a very small portion, of Trump's 1995 taxes. Now, I know you have uh, diminished greatly, although I keep speaking for you and you I'm incorrect. So correct me if I'm wrong. You have said in the past that you think that the Trump tax issue is irrelevant. Is that accurate? It's it's only relevant to Democrats and the media. Okay. What what you guys you, you Trumpsters don't seem to understand is that doesn't currently have enough votes to win. Okay. And so he needs to expand his vote total and or take away her vote total. And when you have 84 million people watching, many of whom are tuning in for the first time and don't even realize he hasn't released his taxes, and they're told, oh, my gosh, he doesn't pay taxes? That's new information. And that prevents them from 
buying into the Trump train. It's another hurdle. Wait, wait, wait. He doesn't pay taxes? Well, the issue is the federal income tax, right? So he, he basically admitted it. He admitted it in that debate twice. He said, I'm smart not to do so. And he said, if he went with regard to the federal tax dollars, he said, my money would have been squandered too. That's, well, a, that's a direct quote. He admitted twice. That was the most amazing thing maybe that happened in the whole thing. He admitted twice, for all intents and purposes, he doesn't pay federal income taxes. So At yes, all. Ever. Obvious, Is that right? Obviously, they didn't get down to the details of ever, but I'm just telling you what Trump said. And what Trump said in response twice was consistent, consistent with the guy who doesn't pay federal income tax. And then the New York Times comes out. And by the way, I actually think the New York Times, in their story, which was supposed to be a big bombshell, I think they portrayed the information that they found which was given to them under bizarro world circumstances, which we'll get into in the next hour. I actually think they portrayed the information they had in the most pro-Trump way possible because they threw him a lifeline for why it is that he doesn't pay federal income taxes. And I don't think that they had the information to be able to do that. Now, they're making some implications that they might have more information yet to come. And when we come back... Uh, Lee and I will further discuss this issue because I think it's politically very potent. And we'll continue to review the first presidential debate, all that in hour number two of the John and Leah show coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.